Shalom Aleichem, Shavua Tov, to all of you listeners of this great station, the station that beams only Divrei Torah, Divrei Musa, Divrei Orerut, Divrei Halakha, and of course religious music. This is Rabbi Albas from SLC. Uh, I'm going to speak about the Parashat Beha Bechukotai in general. Rabbutai, this year we had Adar Ve'adar. Because we had Adar Ve'adar, Behar and Mehokotai were separate. They were not what we call Mehubarin. Each one had its own week, its own Shabbat. But most of the years, Behar Mehokotai, they are Mehubarin, they're together. Now, the Hachamim, when they put Parashiyot together, they put them together because there is some kind of connection between them. For example, yeah, Vayakhel Pekudeh, they both talk about uh, the Mishkan. Tazriya Mesorah, they both talk about Sarat. Acharimot Kedoshim, they talk about Arayot. I mean, the Hachamir did not put down Lech Lecha and Vayera together. No, that, that, that they're, they're separate uh, Parashiyot. So Behabe Hokotai, should have some kind of connection. Question, what's the connection? Seemingly, when you look at it, you say, wait a minute. Beha is talking about Shemitah. The very beginning is Shemitah. Six years you work the land. The seventh year, you leave it, you have the land fallow. You don't touch it. You don't cultivate, don't irrigate, nothing. Wherever it grows is hefker, ownerless. It belongs to everybody. Anyone can come and take. Rich, rich, poor, child, adult, man, woman, even a guy can come and take. Doesn't belong to the owner at all. It belongs to everybody. Now that's Shemitah. Now Parashah Bihokotai, the salient feature of the Parashah has to do with Kedalot. Rahmanat's son, Akadosh Baruch Hu says if the Bnei Israel do not follow the mitzvot, the commandments, and the precepts that he dictates, then they'll be thrown out. They'll be, son, they'll be thrown out of, of the land of Israel. They'll be in exile. Galut. And the Galut come a lot of this Kelalot. So what does one Shemitah have to do with this Galut here? You might, you might ask. As a matter of fact, is that there is a very strong connection between the two. And that connection is in Pirkei Avot. Pirkei Avot, which we are reading, you know, this, this, uh, uh, this six weeks here between Pesach and Shavuot. One of the Mishnayot in, in Masachet Avot, it says, Galut Bala Olam. It talks about why do we have this kind of galut exile of the Bnei Israel? What avera, what sins cause the galut? And it mentions four of them. Three of them are understandable. These are the cardinal sins. Avodazara, idol worship, gilu arayot, immorality and incest, shifichot damim, Murder, 
We can understand. These things are Yiharek Vali Avon. We can understand that. That's a very grave sin. But then it says a fourth one. And Hashmatat Haaretz. If the people in Israel do not follow the mitzvah of Shemitah, Rahmanar that can cause galut, that can cause exile. There is a very strong connection between Behar and Bechokotai because Behar tells us about the mitzvah of Shemitah, Bechokotai tells us about the punishment if God forbid the mitzvah of Shemitah is not observed properly. In fact, Rashi brings, and he says that the 70 years of Galut Babel, Galut Babel was the first Galut, and there was, it was 70 years. Those 70 years, he says, correspond to the seven, 70 Shemitot prior to Galut Babel, prior to that, which the Bnei Israel did not observe. That's what Rashi says. They did not observe 70 Shemitot, and they were punished by 70 years of Galut Babel, Rabbutai. Why? It's, it's, like, it's, it's, it's a, a direct connection between the two. The question that I'd like to really uh, discuss now is, we see here that Shemitah is listed together with the three cardinal sins. In other words, Shemitah is, is at par, is, is equal in, in, in importance with Gilu Ayrayot and Shvichud Damim and Abu Dazara. What is so chashuv? What is so important about the Shemitah that it actually is of the same severity as the, uh, uh, the, the cardinal sins? What's so important? In order to understand that, I would like to bring uh, something from a great hacham, a Sephardic sage of the 15th century. His name was Rabbi Yosef Albo. Great uh, Talmudical Chacham, a Mikubal, a philosopher, a great man. As a matter of fact, you know, during that time, the Inquisition was in force. Mahshimam, the Spanish at the time, the Christians, uh, they, uh, they, 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 they were, uh, you know, they were, with the Jews, you know, they, they, they tried to force them to, to become uh, Jewish and, and they try to push them at, at any time and, and they try to find all kinds of opportunities to make them convert. And Ahmad saw many did convert, they just couldn't take it anymore. Many converted, but then down privately in their own home, they tried to do things, you know, keep the, the, the Jewish rituals on the outside, they were like Christians, but that was not so simple because if they find out about it, they were in big trouble. Anyway, this Inquisition thing did not last just a few years. This we're talking about 
centuries it has lasted. So at one time, in the year 1413, then the Christians decided they're going to have a debate with the Jews, with the rabbis, and they ordered them. You bring a few rabbis over here, and they took maybe hundreds of bishops and archbishops and priests and what have you, and they're going to have a debate. And if, God forbid, the Jews would lose the debate, then they must convert. So the, 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 the Jews, of course, they, they had a few hachamim, and amongst them was Rabbi Yosef Albo. The debate lasted more than six months. Yes, more than six months. But finally at the end, the Jews were victorious, Baruch Hashem. So they were not forced uh, to, to convert. And after that, Rabbi Yosef Albo wrote of a, a book called Sefer Ha'ikarim, the book of principles, or the book of essentials. And he mentions that there are three things that are extremely important for a Jew to believe in. He must believe in those three things. What are the three things? And he puts them very simple. Number one, the Borei Olam exists forever. There was no beginning, no end. It was here all the time. And the Borei Olam is the one that created the world. Is the all-powerful that created the world. That's number one. Number two, Akadosh Baruch Hu is not just in upstairs in heaven. He's not just in Shamayim. He's here. We have to believe he's here. He's amongst us. And he's the one that looks, controls everything, and rewards the Sadiq and gives punishment to the Rasha. In other words, the concept of reward and punishment is an extremely important thing that we should believe in. That is the second one. And the third one is Torah Minashamayim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave the Torah to Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu gave it over to Yoshua, Yoshua Rizkenim, and so on and so forth, down to today. Today. It, it was being transmitted as a Masoret. Like we say in Pirkei Avot, Moshe Kibel Torah Misinai, from HaKadosh Baruch Hu in Asinai, Um Sarali Yoshua. He transmitted faithfully to Yoshua and so on, and Yeshua to the elders, and so on and so on, until today. Torah min HaShamayim, that is the third ikar, the third fundamental principle that we have to believe in. Now, all the mitzvot, I mean, at the, the, all the mitzvot at least have one of these ikarim, which is, I believe in Hashem. Hashem is here and exists. Why? Because, look, you put on tefillin every day. Why? Because you believe Hashem gave us the mitzvot to put on tefillin. So that first ikar is there in every mitzvah. Now, the concept of reward and punishment 
which is a second ikah, that is not uh, specifically stated for all the mitzvot, except for a couple of them. Uh, it says, uh, you know, there it tells us what the actual uh, reward is, and that is arichut yamim, something with Shiloh HaKen, fine, but in tefillin, it doesn't say that you put on tefillin in order to lengthen your life. It doesn't say any reward in the Torah itself. Of course the reward is there, but with that, it doesn't say in the Torah. And Torah min shamaim, obviously that is not in the, in, in, uh, in, in the other mitzvot, it's, it's not uh, said, it's not stated. But when it comes to Shemitah, all these three Ekarim are there. All of them. The first one, obviously, having Shemitah not working one year out of seven, that's because HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave it to us. So we believe in the Borei Olam. The second one, the rewards, yeah. It tells us about the reward. It says, you know, Vinatena Ha'arispiriya. If you if you if you actually observe the Shemitah, the land will give its fruit. You will eat to satisfaction, you'll be satiated, you wouldn't have any problem. So we, there is a reward in there. And you know something? It's something very interesting here. Before we go to the third one, to the Torah Mina Shamaim, when it says Vachaltem La Sova. Rashi explains that even if you eat a small amount, eat a small amount, you'll be satisfied. Somehow, that small amount will propagate through the body, gives you enough nourishment. Now, many people are skeptical. You know, a small amount and you're going to be satisfied? Why would a small amount be satisfying? Let me tell you something. If, I, if a human being can do something like that, how much more so can do things? I read the other day an interesting thing about an engineer, who was a, maybe a chemist, whatever. He was single. Uh, he doesn't know, he, he doesn't want to cook, he doesn't want to go shopping, he doesn't want to do uh, cleaning and this and that. He just wants to get something quick. So he actually worked on a product. We talk about nowadays now. It was a product for years. And finally, the, he did develop a product, and I believe that product is now available, and it's called Soylent. S-O-Y-L-E-N-T. According to his claim, and he has taken this for a couple of months himself. Uh, you take that, it's a, it's a liquid. You drink that or a couple times a day or whatever. That's it. I don't have to go shopping for meat or vegetables or fruits. Uh, I don't have to cook anything. I don't have to bother with the kitchen work. No cleaning. Uh, take a, a bottle of this and you know, pour it into a glass, drink it, and that's it. Well, if a human being can give you just a, a certain fluid and it's enough for the body. How much more so HaKadosh Baruch can do that? 
when Hashem says, Vachaltem la sova, a small amount will be enough to satisfy you, then, then, then we know that that's what it is. See, as, as uh, the, the Sfono explains, uh, there are two types of people. There's a person that has complete emunah in HaKadosh Baruch. Complete emunah. 100%. Bittahon in Hashem. For that person, the sixth year, even if he has the same amount of, uh, let's say, of, uh, uh, of crop as usual, then for that person, a small amount will satisfy him. The person who's worried, he gets the same crop on the, same, the sixth year as the fifth. That's not going to be enough for the seventh and the eighth year. What's he going to do? How's he going to live? So Hashem, he says, you know what? For that kind of person, he's going to give him a bumper crop. And give him enough, much more. It's going to be enough for what? The, uh, the sixth, the seventh, and partial part of the eighth year too. So everybody is satisfied. Everybody is going to have his reward properly. So now we could see the third essential, the third ikar of Rabbi Yosef Albo. Torah Mina Shemaim. Who can promise something like this? That you're going to get a bumper crop. That's going to be enough for the sixth year, the seventh, and the part of the eighth year. Even Moshe Rabbeinu is still a human being. He can't 100,000%. He can't guarantee that. Only Hashem can guarantee it. That's why this proves Torah min Hashemayim. Another great thing about the Shemitah is that it really shows imunah, faith, bitahon, reliance in Akadosh Baruch Hu. Like the Gaon Mivina says it beautifully, he says, No mitzvah implants mashrisha, bitahon, like Shemitah. This is the top of emunah and bitahon. Of course, I mean, sukkah, Misvat Tefillin, Shabbat, are all done because we believe in Hashem. And we have some, obviously we have Emunah in Hashem. But they're not as tough, as harsh, on the person's life, like Shemitah. You know, in the olden days, people were farmers. So they worked for six years, and in the seventh year, that's it, they have nothing. Let's look, let's look, let's equate that to something nowadays. Let's say you're an engineer, a chemist, an economist, whatever, working for a company. You work for six years and then you go over to your, uh, to your boss in the seventh year and say, you know, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, I can't work this year. This year, goodbye, I'm not going to be here. You know how tough it is for a person? No income coming in? And the other thing is, uh, you can be sure you're going to get a pink slip. That's not going to work. You know, uh, imagine, give you something even worse than that. You have a supermarket. You're the owner of a supermarket. People come in every day. They take uh, goods, you know, they go to the cashier and they pay. 
The seventh year, what do you do? People come, take whatever they want? No pay? Oh, that doesn't make any sense. Close completely? Also very harsh. But let me tell you what a farmer in, uh, in Israel, he was talking about Shemitah himself, a religious man. He had a field with pineapple. A pineapple, you know, he was growing pineapples. In Hebrew, it's ananas. And pineapples in Eretz Israel, they're not cheap. They, they're quite, quite expensive. And he was told, he says, you know, he's sitting over there in his field, big field, thousands of pineapples there. And people come, a guy comes in, takes a, a box of pineapples. He says, here's $20 down the, down the drain. Someone else comes in, three boxes. $60 down the drain. By the end of the day, he's got $1,000 down the drain every day. He sees money going away. How would you feel? It's not simple. But that is what shows the strength of the emunah in a Jew. And let me also give you one more thing. Why this particular mitzvah, to observe it, is more traumatic than other mitzvot. I mean, tefillin cost money too. Cost money. You spend some time, you spend a thousand dollars, right? Sukkot to build also cost money. Uh, you do brit milah. Sometimes you spend ten thousand dollars on a brit milah. Many mitzvot cost money. But there's a difference, and the difference is like this. Suppose you have two people. One of them can't get a job. A whole year, he can't get a job. Doesn't work. So at the end of the year, he's got zero dollars in his bank account. The other one, he works all year. He makes $100,000 a year, but he spent it all. At the end of the year, he has zero dollars in the bank. Would you say that these two are equivalent? Of course not. They both have zero dollars at the end of the year. But one of them, he had, he received an income. He spent it and enjoyed it. The other one had no income whatsoever. That's, this is hisaron reva. There is hotsaot, expenses. Hisaron reva meaning a lack of income altogether. A lack of income is very traumatic. Spending, okay, it hurts, you have to spend. But at least you have the money there to spend. You have the income. When you don't have anything coming in, hisaron reva. That is very distressing for human beings. Very traumatic. And that's what Shemitah is. Hisaron Reva. There is no income. Nothing is coming in. That's why it, it really requires a tremendous amount of bitahon and emunah. And I, 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 I personally feel that all those religious people out there in Eretz Israel, 
who observe Shemitah, and they do observe it. They are really great people. It's not so simple. The great, it's a tremendous effort. Of course, nowadays they have what they call Karen Shvi'id. There's an organization uh, that that collects uh, money throughout you know all the years, and then they help out these farmers in a different way. Okay, they they let they let the, everything uh, all their crop and whatever uh, trees uh, fruits that grow on tree on the seventh year. Everyone comes and takes it. But they help him out. There is that kind of thing that's being done nowadays. But certainly it is, it, it requires a lot of effort, a, a lot of emunah, a lot of in order to do that. Now, this Shabbat is about the same thing in a way because Shabbat also is hisaron revah. It's not spending money. You stop working on Shabbat. That means there's no income. But you see, Rabotai, Shabbat is on one day out of the week. And the Shemitah is one year out of seven. Shemitah is even worse. So this is why, Rabotai, all the mitzvot, we do them in order to build up our emunah in Hashem. But this mitzvah of Shemitah, mitzvah of Shabbat, which is in the category of chisaron revach, that really shows our emunah in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It strengthens our faith in Hashem. And this really, once we actually observe the, this mitzvot, now we'll, it's like a springboard to embrace, embrace and observe all the others. When the emunah is so strong, then there's nothing that can stop us from doing all the other mitzvot that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has uh, dictated to us. Shavuot Tovra Butai, I want to remind you about this station, the great station. Please uh, do whatever you can. Make an effort. Try to help because we would like to keep this station going. And also, if you have any simha, why don't you look up our beautifully renovated uh, uh, ballroom in our shul on Avenue T and East 8th Street. If you have any kind of a simha, whether it's a brit milah, a wedding, uh, or, or a bar mitzvah, engagement, it's Baruch Hashem, the hall is quite, it's quite large. So, if please... Call us and we'll be very happy to accommodate you. Shavuatov.